Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God. Okay, so that was Isaiah 43, 1 to 4. And I chose that to read today because the intro song is the hymn, Be Not Afraid, which is a song I would sing at Mass growing up. So I looked up what Bible passage is the hymn, Be Not Afraid, based on. And it said Isaiah 43, 1 to 4. So that's why I chose that. Um... So today is a very special episode of the podcast. It is our one-year anniversary episode. (laughs) Insert cheers, applause, or confetti sounds here. And so I decided that I'm going to do a solo episode this time, kind of just to reflect on the podcast and the journey of the meme page and to give a little information about myself, which I really haven't done fully. Like I've had episodes where people ask me questions and I answer them. So I do feel like over the course of the last year, I've given a lot of personal information out but I never really had like an introduction episode or I never really had anyone interview me. So I thought kind of owe that to you guys. Um, if I'm going to keep doing this to kind of introduce myself more and to reflect. So happy one year anniversary, God lovers. Um, thank you to any person who has subscribed to the Patreon over the last year, whether or not you're a continued subscriber. Every person who has contributed, big or small, has been a huge motivating factor for me to continue doing this project and to show me that, you know, there are people out there who get value from it and who enjoy it. So thank you for everyone who has signed up at our Patreon, patreon.com slash I need God. Um, I feel like really lucky to have an audience and to have people who I've gotten some really great feedback from people who said the show is something they enjoy, something that they've been missing and that they don't hear a lot of conversations like the ones we have here. So that's been really nice to hear. And um, I'm happy that even though it's not a huge podcast or anything, there's not a ton of subscribers on the Patreon. Everyone, there are dozens of people and about 10 people who pay for the angel tier who get their names read in every episode. And um, those people I really, really appreciate. And I see you guys and I know you've contributed so much and I'm just really grateful for your support. (laughs) 
So, okay. So for the rest of the podcast, I have asked ChatGPT to ask me questions. Um, basically, I just bought a ChatGPT Pro account, which was $20. And it gives you kind of like a better version of ChatGPT. And then I enter, entered, <clears throat> and then I entered some information about myself so that it kind of knows who I am. And then I asked it that I told it this actually exactly. I said, I'm going to do a solo episode of my podcast called I Need God Pod, which has a very general theme of religion and spirituality. What kinds of questions would you want to ask me if you were interviewing me for the episode? And so then it made some pretty good questions. And I, I kept refining the questions by asking it different things and giving it different information about myself. And then I kind of gleaned the questions and made like a list of the questions I thought were best. Okay. <laughs> Question one. What inspired you to start a meme page around the theme of God? And how did it lead to your podcast? Okay, so let's do a little origin story. Basically, I've always been interested in God. I went to Catholic school until second grade. I sang at church until I graduated high school. I did all the sacraments through confirmation. And it was because my mom wanted that. I'm not sure exactly why she wanted that. She herself is not religious. She does not attend church now that her kids are grown. But she was raised in the church. Her mother attended church until she couldn't anymore. And it was always very cultural. It was never very, like, fanatic. I know that my grandmother has cousins or nieces, something like that, who are also Catholic, but are more religious and do have a more serious like relationship to faith in a more critical way, maybe than my grandmother did. But um, in my family, at least it was always just like, this is what we're expected to do. Um, My mom's side of the family is completely Sicilian. Um, My grandmother is a first generation American. She was the daughter of immigrants so was my grandfather, my mother's father. And so my mother was sign of like second generation. And it was like where I'm from, there are Italian immigrants, Irish immigrants, Polish immigrants. They all came during the late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, I think the Sicilians came because of the unification of Italy. And um, when Italy became unified, like Italy only became unified in the 19th century. And before that, it was all these small separate kingdoms, I, from what I know. So when they got unified, the Italian government actually like seized a lot of land from people. And um, it caused, I think, immigration. Um, some to the United States and where I'm from, um, it's like a coal mining place, um, northeast Pennsylvania, Like, they were coal miners, I guess, until coal mining wasn't, like, as essential or they mined all the coal. They probably mined all the coal, and (laughs) I don't know. But um, that is just to say that, to give context about why I'm Catholic, it's because of my mother's family. I just kind of have this, like, Catholic upbringing that really informed my whole upbringing, really, because we would have Sunday dinner at my grandma's house. We would go to church every week. We would do 
like we would just do it all basically and it was very like felt normal and it felt like part of what family is even to me and I think that's why it remains important to me and so even though like I never I guess in high school, I didn't super believe in like God or religion per se. I still went to mass and sang every week because of my, you know, desire to perform essentially. And um, I was told I'm a good singer, even though I would say I'm a very medium good singer. Like I'm an above average singer. Um, So yeah, so like that was very just ingrained into my spirit, into my soul um, and then in college, I did gospel choir. It's kind of, I guess, like, because it's what I knew from growing up, like maybe one or two years into college, I joined the gospel choir. Um, and I think it was just like, I couldn't not sing for one. I couldn't not sing. And then like, if you auditioned, you got in. It wasn't very like exclusive, which like other singing clubs would be like acapella clubs or something like that. Um, beyond that, I've always just felt philosophical in my thought and existential in my thought growing up. And I feel like if you have a philosophical mind, um, it's not very different than a religious or spiritual mind. Uh, like raising questions is a spiritual thing, I believe. And, um, questioning existence is kind of like the root of what births spirituality and religion actually probably so uh, all of that to say i've always been this way like the meme page is really just me continuing in this tradition that i've just explained what happened was i'm i'm a very online person i've always been a very online person i think since i wrote a persuasive essay in fourth grade asking my parents to get us the internet I have been online and consuming information, images, media. I started playing Neopets when I was maybe 12. I remember when the word OMG, like O-O-H-E-M-G-E-E, was kind of like a new phenomenon to say online. And it was like brought into Neopets through like an avatar you could use on the message boards or like pwned. P-W-N-E-D. I remember that coming into Neopets, like when that became popular online. So this is all just to say, like, I've been online for a long time and I've like experienced waves of internet culture and I've made a lot of friends that way. And so a few friends I made, some on Tumblr, some on Twitter, we made a Twitter group chat about God and about Lady Gaga because... We are little monsters through and through. This is a a podcast (laughs) created by a little monster. We started sharing God jokes, God memes with each other. This is maybe in 2018, maybe 2017, actually, or even 2016. I don't know when the group chat actually started. But as we were sharing them with each other, we realized there's no like meme page that's aggregating like the funniest God content and that instead of just sharing all these images with each other, we could just all collectively post and it might get big because there were, I don't know, 2017, 2016 to 2018. I think a lot of like meme pages were really blowing up and like Instagram started to become used in a new way. I feel like by the mid 
2010s, it had become like there have been more like features essentially built in Instagram. Video was introduced eventually. You could post an uh, aspect ratio other than square or like you could, I think at first you had to like take the picture in the app. Like, I don't know if there was uploading from outside the app at first, honestly. So it was like interesting to see like Instagram is being used more like Tumblr or more like blogs where people are like aggregating images and sharing memes and meme culture itself is was evolving so much over those years too where it's like at first memes were really just one image where you would change the text so it'd be like an image of a dog and you just change the text and like that image of that dog represented one kind of emotion or feeling and then a meme would mean like you're just changing the text and using the image. Today, I think we use the word meme so more generally, like people will say anything is a meme, even if it's, if it's an image, if it's an image with text. And even if it's not something that's been repeated, like I feel like the core meaning of a meme should be like something that gets repeated, like a phrase, like they did surgery on a grape. Like if that can get repeated enough times, it becomes a meme. But now it's just like, oh, post any image and it's a meme, even if it's not being, there's no like repetition involved. But I feel like people are just using the word a lot more loosely to almost mean anything sometimes. But at first we were overthinking it. We were like, we should think of like brand colors. And like when we we thought we were going to make a lot of our own memes and I was like, okay, like let's think of like, how could it look consistent? But then when we actually made the page, it was like, no, we should all just post anything we want at any time. There's no like rhyme or reason. Just like, let's all just post. And for a while, we all posted. I feel like until about 2020, when the pandemic started, we were all posting. Um, In 2020 is when we started selling the first sweater we ever made, which was just a black sweater with white text and the font open sans. And it said... um, God loves me and there's nothing I can do about it. And it was like based on a book called God Loves You and There's Nothing You Could Do About It. But we just made one sweater, a website with one product and that Christmas of 2020 or maybe, yeah, I guess the pandemic happened and then we sold the sweater that Christmas of 2020. And um, we split the profits and stuff. But over the years, everyone has started posting less and less. I basically am the only one who posts now and it's not a big deal. I continue to run the store. I've grown the store so much. And um, I really feel like the store reached its peak this Easter when I released those, like the sweater vest, the the bikini cover up, something that's more than just t-shirts or sweatshirts. Like these were custom made, like I manufactured them myself or designed them myself and ordered the manufacturing instead of just doing t-shirts, which are easier to have printed. So like that was a really natural progression. But in my mind, I kind of felt like, okay, well, t-shirts are great. Clothing is great. But it's like, how many t-shirts could someone buy? And like, how else could I expand the presence of the page? And then I came up with the podcast idea, which I already explained about how that kind of got started. That was last summer. So, okay, that was such a long answer. Um, Let's see, what's the next question here? Okay, these are kind of three related questions. It says, You have an interest in performance studies. How do you think the performance of everyday life intersects with spirituality or religious rituals? Um, let me read the next question. It says, You're into pop culture and pop music. Do 
you think there's a sort of spirituality or religious symbolism embedded in modern popular culture? And let me just read the next question, too. How does your daily routine, like watching The View and Jeopardy, contribute to your understanding of religion and spirituality? So all of those questions are kind of asking the same thing. Um, like my interest in religion and spirituality goes beyond like the formal religious traditions. And it more extends to this idea that the religious and the spiritual aspects of our lives kind of bleed into other parts of our lives, like the rest of our lives, secular music, secular culture, television, movies, radio music. I feel like there is a secular spirituality that maybe doesn't get talked about enough, but I feel like it is getting talked about more and more where like you go to a concert for your favorite pop star as a teenager and the ecstasy you feel there is spiritual. It is um, an experience and it involves performance and it doesn't necessarily involve belief in God or religious doctrine. Instead, it involves free spirit, if you will. Maybe this is the American spirit. For instance, in watching television, it's very easy to start drawing lines to how television is enacting a religious process where religion had figured out that you have to have regular meetings, you have to have holidays, um, there needs to be a consistency to the schedule, there needs to be music, there needs to be someone sending like a preacher or a priest giving a message, there has to be a congregation. And I think television is an alien, kind of almost an alienated form of that, where it happens daily or weekly. You tune in, you receive the message, you feel familiar with the people in the show or program you watch, and then you are able to talk about it with other people and connect and share stories uh, and and even talk about things like morality. When you think about work culture in the United States, it's like you go to work. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about religion. You can't even talk about the conditions of your labor and your exploitation. You can talk about what show was on last night, what concert you went to, what movie you saw at the movie theater, etc. And people will often be like, I mean, at least I'm not sure about today. You might even talk about what you see online if it gets big enough. Twitter trending topics. It's kind of like, okay, did you watch the Breaking Bad episode last night? Did you watch, you know, The Office yesterday, like back when those were airing? Today, it might be like, did you see the trending topic about how men are thinking about the Roman Empire? That's as much as I want to say on that. Let's move on. You mentioned wanting to create things across multiple mediums. Do you have any upcoming projects that integrate your interests in spirituality, pop culture, and performance studies? Well, obviously this podcast itself is a project of that nature, and it is upcoming always as long as I continue to make it and as long as I have enough subscribers to make it seem worth it to make it, then yeah, like this project for one. But um... I am kind of like an artist and I have made other works. And so if you don't know about that, now you will. Um, one thing I made 
in college was a remake of an iCarly episode, season one, episode 13, called I Am Your Biggest Fan. It's a remake, shot by shot, word for word, verbatim, and performed straight. Not as a parody, not, you know, not ironically, for sure, just a straight reproduction. Um, however, I did cast all adult men in the roles. So I guess there's a, there is a bit of irony in the casting or a bit of humor in the casting. And that does make the project good. <laughs> but it's not really... It was like, okay, I'll, I'll just cast all adult male actors. I went on Craigslist and Backstage, I think it's called, and just like put out a call, got some adult male actors, put them in a room, and they just read it iCarly. And I, it's kind of, you know, the juxtaposition between the material and the actors obviously really brings something to light about the show. I think the show is a good show that's well-written. Um, but when you divorce something from its context and recontextualize it, it reveals things that you couldn't have seen otherwise about it. So that has about 2 million views on YouTube. I think you could just search iCarly with dad's remake or iCarly season one, episode three, I am your biggest fan reenactment, something like that. If you want to watch it, it's just the full episode shot by shot. Um, similarly, I made... A few years later, maybe like actually more than a few years later, five or six or seven years later, I made another remake of a Shark Tank episode, not the full episode, but a 10 minute pitch shot by shot. And I cast all, well, I I didn't cast any um, men or any assigned men at birth, at least. And it was just a plain recreation the same way did the iCarly one. It was not did not try to do anything except a straight remake. However, it was a pitch where three orphans are pitching a cutting board that their dad made and their dad died of 9-11 related cancer and their mom died of another unrelated cancer. And so it was like three people under 20 on Shark Tank pitching this cutting board that their dad had created and his dream was to pitch it on Shark Tank. And then at the end, all the sharks invested in them together for the first time in Shark Tank history. I just thought it was a very, very unique, interesting segment on Shark Tank that revealed so much about the mechanics of what Shark Tank does and the nature of American capitalism and entrepreneurship and television and um, the show of it all that... um, I was inspired to do that. That you could, it's on Amazon. You could buy it or rent it on Amazon. Shark Tank season eight, episode 10, I think it is, or season 10, episode eight. <laughs> I think it's season eight, episode 10. Other than that, I've also taken a stab at making pop music and pop music videos. Um, I've made several. My most important or most popular one, I guess, being a song called Never Forget because I worked at the 9-11 Museum probably 2017 to 2018. And during that year or so, I wrote the song Never Forget, which is, you know, referencing 9-11. And then I shot the music video in my 9-11 uniform at the the memorial um, and at the Oculus, which is the mall next to the memorial. The lyrics aren't that offensive, but it does hint at the idea that 
it was a controlled demolition or at least planned a little bit, but it's done in a way where it's like using metaphors about love that could also kind of be applied to the towers, if that makes sense. And it's about memorialization and the idea of remembrance, right? Because never forget means always remember. And what is to remember other than to photograph something? And 9-11 was one of the most photographed major world events at the time because of the way that um, people were had digital cameras for the first time around that time or more more people than ever. So it was highly captured. And then also how the memorial itself is a place where people are photographing all the time too. to never forget is to take a photograph essentially. And the spectacle of 9-11, I'm very interested in. So that is what that music video and song is about. You can find that on YouTube or anywhere you stream music. You could just search Never Forget Kyle or Kyle Never Forget. And then you could find my other music through there. Some songs are better than others. And most recently, I released a covers album or a covers EP last this this year in March. Probably last year. I don't remember when I released it last year in the fall, maybe. It's called Shall Be Loved. Um, so you could search that too if you're interested. I feel like all of the things that I create are not unrelated to my interests in spirituality, popular culture, and performance studies. Um, all right, so here's some questions written about the meme page. <clears throat> what was the most memorable interaction you've had with a follower of your meme page? I feel like the most memorable interactions, I can't even remember, although I'm sure I've screenshotted so many. Unfortunately, the most memorable ones are the bad ones. Like when I post a meme without credit because someone sends me a screenshot or it's a screenshot from a meme page that wasn't the original meme maker or whatever. And then the person who made that meme instead of like contacting me to be like, Hey, could you tag me? They will like start commenting like you are a thief. You are stealing from creators. Like everyone unfollow now, or they'll like, I've had moments where someone will put it in their story. Like this person steals memes and, or, or like will comment or like message really, really mean things instead of just being polite because they think like I took the first offense by stealing their work. However, this isn't a great way to understand the nature of Instagram and specifically memes. Memes are made to be shared and replicated and often without credit. I mean, they're almost like folklore or mythology or tales that get passed on. Like you lose the originator sometimes. Um, and you don't really have anything to gain from being known as the originator of a meme. Maybe if you're known for several and your face is attached to them, you can leverage that. I'm sure there are people who make all their own content and have leveraged it really well. But um, like generally, what do you have to gain from it? It's not really money. You don't really make money from this. And then also, why would you be mad that someone would like something that you've made that they would want to share it? Do you know what I mean? It's actually in the spirit of sharing and not in the spirit of thievery or theft. I think this goes back to like my religious tendencies to think that it should be shared. It should be communal. Like it should not necessarily need a profit incentive. 
Okay. And one other thing about me is that I've been studying astrology, right? Um, I've been interested in it since about 2014. At first, I always knew I was a Leo. I always kind of identified with that. It made a lot of sense because I always was a performer growing up, right? I always liked singing, for instance, and I was concerned with appearances often. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, I'm a Leo. Then when I started learning more about the moon sign, the rising sign, and like the full spectrum of astrological readings and like the history of it and stuff, that was more like Tumblr era following Astrolocherry and Tumblr. And, you know, that's when it really started to become fleshed out for me. And I started being more interested in esoteric topics. The more I learned it and looked at my chart, the more I was able to see like, yeah, I could describe myself through my astrology chart. And in return, kind of, the, I could see how the astrology chart described me. But I do see it both ways, where it's like, I could describe myself through the chart is a great way to look at it, where you kind of use astrology as a tool for self-understanding, where you have ideas, thoughts, feelings regarding your life, your life path, your situation, your circumstances, the patterns you find yourself in. And then when you look at the chart, you can map those things onto it in a way that gives you a shorthand of remembrance, like, oh yeah, I am this way, or like I react this way in certain situations, or like I've always been afraid of this, or how whatever you want to kind of project into the chart, you really can. And then it gives you a very shorthand visual way of like holding on to that memory of self-knowledge, if that makes sense. I don't think astrology is prescriptive. I don't think it is something that you use, you could use like to prescribe something uh, or have it dictate something about you per se. So in some sense, I don't know if astrology, like the system itself is like some universal truth. There are many systems in astrology, for instance, there's Western astrology, which is what I practice, uses the tropical zodiac. And there's also Eastern astrology, which uses the sidereal zodiac. And there are many different um, ways of self-knowledge and understanding many different systems that contradict each other and none are more true really than the others. But they, what they share is they are all tools in a kind of psychological sense, uh, I believe. And I do believe that there are archetypal principles, archetypal realities that exist beyond our individual selves that we inhabit, essentially like a hyper object or a being in a metaphysical sense or in an interdimensional sense that is created through shared hallucination and that of which we are not, we cannot separate from and that we have different tendencies towards different archetypes. And I do think like astrology paints those archetypes and that they do pre-exist the person. So it's not just us projecting onto the chart we're not projecting from nowhere. The projection that we have actually comes from a certain archetypal reality that already exists in the charts. It's really hard to talk about because it's very slippery. And I don't know if it's necessarily something that needs to be fully explained because part of it is that it points towards the unexplainable nature of existence. Like language shapes our perception of what is. 
language gives us a structure for being and seeing and experiencing things and making sense of the world. But it's limited. It is not the world itself. It influences how we are in the world. I'm interested in astrology because it's like a phenomenon or there's like an epiphenomenon to it that's like meaning just emerges from it, sense emerges from it, and often it could be useful. I'm less interested in astrology as it pertains to um, events and prediction and more how it relates to self-understanding and relation relational issues. And I'm also interested in astrology on, a, I guess, a world psychological sense, like not an individual psychological sense, but a collective sense and how there are generational eras or um, epochs in, a, in astrological time that could denote parts of human history. I'm, I'm interested in that too. I think there's something to that. I think there's a collective consciousness that astrology speaks to, to give us a psychological lens for the collective consciousness, if that makes sense. I'm not sure exactly. Do you ever discuss astrological themes on your meme page? I have posted astrological memes, sometimes like making fun of astrology, critiquing it, sometimes just ambient spiritual memes that reference astrology. And I've talked about it on this podcast. I've had Randon Rosenbaum on once. She was a columnist for Vice and is an astrologer based in Berlin. And she's Catholic. So I relate to her on a lot of levels. Um, so I do think like more astrology content would be good. I've been posting on the Patreon at my astrological forecasts, which I write actually for an art um, an art platform, an art marketplace, but I always post them to the Patreon early. Unrelated, one idea I've had is like kind of like what this episode is where I'm using like artificial intelligence to ask me questions. I'm kind of curious about using artificial intelligence to create worship services that we could do online together. I don't know. I feel like that could be something we do in the Discord eventually if it keeps going, but um, yeah. So I have a few questions left here, but none of them are really speaking to me. I think we've made it pretty far in the shelf to carry it all on my own. I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned a little more about me and I don't know, my point of view on stuff. Obviously, I have like a stoner's brain, always have, always kind of been curious about bigger picture things. Um... I love getting my mind blown with a new idea or a new way of understanding the world and experience. And even though I'm not like the smartest person by far, I love hearing like smart people's ideas on stuff and different perspectives. And hopefully with the podcast, we'll just keep getting more perspectives and talk about more religious and spiritual things. There are so many topics and so many points of view. So I don't think it's really ever going to run out as long as we could find people to come on and who want to talk. Um, I'll continue doing this. Um, thank you guys for subscribing. Um, for everyone who's been subscribed for the full year, you're the best. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you have anything, any feedback, I'll take what you say really seriously. And for everyone else who's here, I appreciate all your support so much, like more than you really know. And I feel like 
this little community within the I Need God community is like the top tier I Need God followers, obviously. And um, as always, we got to read our angels at the end of every episode. At the end of each episode, we pray for those who have joined at our angel tier. I'm going to read everyone's name who's ever subscribed at the angel tier, even though they're not all currently subscribed just because I want to thank everyone um, from this first year who has ever pledged at that level. So let's just say a prayer for all of them. Ashes in the Wind, Kate Nine, Allison White, Carson Reeves, Casey, Dakota Garcia, Gavin, HGSH, Jenna, Sarah, Kylie Gurley, Neve Parker, Nikki, Nicole, Sky Bryant, Stevie Owen, Tori Folk, and Tyler Hill. For them, Lord, hear our prayer. And if you don't want to pledge at the angel tier, you could just pledge at the regular tier. It's $5 a month. You can go to INeedGod.com, I-Need-God.com, or you can go to Patreon.com slash INeedGod. So, amen and hallelujah, you guys. And here's to one year, and I'll see you all in the next episode. This episode was kindly edited by David Sutran.